birthday. South Africa refers Israel to the International Criminal Court. Parliament will later today debate whether our embassy should be closed. The Gauteng liquor traders say they did not agree to the halting of issuing of liquor licenses in the province. The Education MEC releases a report on the death of a Tukosa teenager. Can the rain god save us in Eden Gardens? The Proteas crumble in the World Cup semi-final. And our book of the week is Global Africa Profiles Encourage Creativity and Cruelty. All of that over the next hour. 702. Let's walk the talk. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Midday Report on 7.02 and Cape Talk with me, Mandy Wiener. Sure, I have so much anxiety. I don't know if you feel like I feel right now, but it's been a very, very difficult hour also for Proteas fans. Uh, we have not done very well this morning. Temba Bavuma, the captain who on his own admission said that he wasn't 100% fit going out for a duck at Eden Gardens. At the moment, we are 44 for four after 14 overs. Australia have just been dominant. Uh, it is raining right now, so we can only hope that Queen Mojaji will save us, that the rain guards owe us one after our previous experience. So I'll keep you updated if they do come on. Remember, tomorrow is a reserve day, so it is possible that they could finish the match tomorrow. More rain is forecast for tomorrow. Remember that if the game does not end, then we do go through uh, on our run rate, so we can only hope right now that it continues to rain. We'll keep you updated on that. Send me a WhatsApp voice note 072-702-1702-072-567-1567. Let me know what you think and how you are feeling watching the Proteas today. Well, let's uh, start now uh, with a developing story. President Cyril Ramaphosa has announced that South Africa has filed a referral to the International Criminal Court to investigate alleged war crimes committed by Israel in Gaza. He was speaking from the city of Doha in Qatar. He's there for a two-day state visit. Uh, He's in the Middle East. Uh, At this stage, over 11,000 people have been killed in Gaza since Hamas launched that attack on Israel last month. These figures, of course, are according to the Hamas-run Palestinian Health Ministry. The death toll in Israel stands at approximately 1,400. The president President saying there is a need for the whole world to rise and call for the Israeli government to cease fire and stop what is happening and the ICC to investigate. Of course, legal measures need to be taken at a global level. That's verbatim what the president has been saying. In reaction, the South African Jewish Board of Deputies expressing its disappointment over the South African government's decision to refer Israel to the ICC. Now, later today, Parliament is going to be debating whether the Israeli embassy in South Africa should be closed, whether the government should suspend all diplomatic relations with that country as well. Last week, the International Relations Minister, Nelly Pandor, saying government's position on the Middle East conflict in the House is clear. The Israeli ambassador has also been demarched uh, over statements that he made, which have been met with disapproval by cabinet. We're going to speak first to the ANC, and then we'll speak to the South African Zionist Federation. First, let's go to the ANC NEC member, Elvin Boertis, who joins us now. Um, Deputy Minister, I'm going to call you just for for clarity and good afternoon to you. You are speaking in your capacity as an ANC NEC member and not the Deputy Minister, correct? Absolutely correct, yes. And then Deputy Minister, what is the ANC's position? Uh, You have put out a statement saying that you welcome the announcement by the President that government uh, has put a referral through to the International Criminal Court. Yes, look, um, and thank you very much also for 702. Uh, I think, uh, you know, the, the ALC are affirmative in its support, uh, 
you know, on the statement made by President Ramaphosa that uh, a decision is take, has been taken that, um, you know, the, the genocidal conduct of the, the state of Israel uh, requires referral in accordance to state party referral uh, encapsulated in Article 14 of the, of the Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court precisely uh, mainly because of the type of, you know, uh, war crimes that are being con- con- uh, committed, uh, the, the type of genocide, uh, you know, and ethnic cleansing that are taking place. You have seen, uh, you know, uh, that there has been a, a targeted uh, massacre uh, directed, uh, you know, against hospitals. You have seen with the Al-Shifa hospital, uh, in 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 Gaza and also the the Al Arhi uh, Arab Hospital that has been pertinently targeted, uh, you know, by the by the state of Israel and and though the hospitals, uh, you know, are not refugee centers uh, for Hamas operatives. What you actually have there is critically ill uh, and critically wounded children and women uh, that were, you know, at those uh, hospitals. So their conduct requires the ICC scrutiny uh, definitively. And to be clear, Deputy Minister, the ANC has still not uh, (coughs) condemned the actions of Hamas on October the 7th uh, and has not made any comment about that. No, 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 absolutely uh, not correct. Uh, the, The ANC has been unequivocal. Uh, you know, that uh, the conduct of Hamas targeting innocent uh, women and children and civilians is not reconcilable with our uh, ethos as it relates to uh, our solidarity posture. So the ANC statement have obviously, uh, you know, underpinned, uh, you know, the conduct of uh, Hamas uh, not to be reconcilable with, you know, our view. So we have done that. But what you have now seen uh, 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 Mandy, it's uh, the it's genocide perpetuated against you know innocent uh, women and children. It, it it cannot be in any uh, area of conflict where uh, you know hospitals are targeted, uh, where it's bombed, and then subsequently you have Israeli defense force that goes into those hospitals and kill you know. Uh, uh, indiscriminately so you know innocent women and children uh, there is also evidence that has emerged about the fact that Hamas is using these hospitals I'm going to allow the South African Zionist Federation to respond to that but I do want to ask you one uh, last question uh, on this are you not concerned however about the effect that uh, these diplomatic actions that we're taking in South Africa could have an impact on trade relations with Goa um, and also our standing uh, in, in the international community no, Mandy. Remember, our our foreign policy is not premised on uh, you know checkbook diplomacy. Um, we we have very limited trade with the state of Israel. Agoa is a trading instrument as it relates to United States of America and uh, South Africa, amongst uh, many other countries. But equally so, you know, our foreign policy, especially on Ubuntu uh, diplomacy cannot at all times uh, be premised on, you know, issues of about economic diplomacy. Um, the, I know as we are speaking, the ANC, 
you know, is going to encourage its parliamentary uh, caucus uh, this afternoon uh, to support, uh, you know, uh, the suspension of relations uh, with the state uh, of Israel. Um, so that that will be the mandate uh, given to the parliamentary ANC caucus this afternoon in parliament. Deputy Minister, thank you very much for your time. ANC-NEC member, also the Deputy Minister of International Relations, Alvin Buertis, speaking to us there. Uh, let's get response now from Benji Schulman, who is the Director of Public Policy at the South African Zionist Federation. Uh, Benji, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time. What is the uh, South African Zionist Federation's response to this uh, decision by the President to refer Israel to the International Criminal Court? Uh, thank you very much, uh, Mandy, and uh, hello to all the listeners. Uh, I think that it could only really be seen as a gimmick from the South African government. Anyone who has the slightest clue about how the ITC works would know that a referral like this cannot possibly take place. And I think it is very, very interesting that they decided to announce it from Doha, which obviously is Qatari, but it's also the headquarters of Hamas. And we know that the South African government has relations with Hamas. And so the, I think it's very symbolic that they've chosen to do it from from Qatar. And the other thing is that we're very interested to see that the South African government has finally found all sorts of interest in the ITC after they refused to arrest Omaha al-Bashir for coming to the country and then spoke about leaving. But when it's convenient for them to, to suddenly use it as, a, as an entity, then suddenly they're getting on board to make a referral, which according to international law, they can't actually make. I did ask the Deputy Minister the question, I'll ask you the same question, about whether or not this may impact our international uh, standing in terms of AGOA relations and the impact of that. Yes, I think that we have to be extremely careful here about where we look at in terms of trade relations. The the U.S. Senate uh, has already started to, to make noises about the fact that they're unhappy with our conduct with regards to Russia, and now also with regards to Iran and Hamas. Uh, Senator Tim Scott, who was up until a few days ago running to be the next Republican nominee and also the ranking uh, head of the Africa Committee in the Senate, has said that he was very uncomfortable that we hosted a goer. And I think that the Americans and the general democratic world is watching South Africa's conduct with concern and with horror. Uh, and, and I think that if we aren't careful as a South African uh, population, the, the South African population as a whole is going to pay the price for malpractice with, uh, with regard to how our government is conducting its foreign policy. Benji Schulman, Director of Public Policy at the South African Zionist Federation. Thank you very much for your time responding there to uh, the developments uh, in this matter. As I explained as well, uh, Parliament later today will be holding a debate whether the Israeli embassy in South Africa should be closed, whether the government should suspend all diplomatic relations with that country. Um, and that debate is being sponsored by the EFF, which uh, believes the country should sever all diplomatic ties with Israel. So that's going to be happening later today. There won't be an actual vote uh, today because it's not a full sitting. So that's only going to happen next week. Uh, The other developing story that we are watching around this is um, on News 24, a breaking story in the last few minutes saying that the gift of the giver's office head in Gaza has been killed in the ongoing conflict there. The gift of the givers announcing the organization's office head in Gaza, Ahmed Abbasi, and his brother were killed while returning from morning prayer today. Abasi, a father of three, uh, has been described as a gentle, warm human being. Uh, so, gift of the givers confirming that. 702. 702. Mandy Weiner. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m.
So earlier this week, you would have heard uh, a clip that we played of the Gauteng Premier, Panyaza Lasufi, in which he made some comments about liquor licenses. So he said at an event, um, and this was where liquor traders had been gathering at the Birchwood Hotel in Boxburg, um, and he said that government has halted the issuing of liquor licenses in an effort to help end the fight against drugs and the sale of illicit goods. Now, there's been a lot of reaction to this. Uh, Some of the discussion has been around taverns. Some of it has been around the actual issuing of liquor licenses. But have a listen to what Panyaza Lasufi said earlier this week. The government that I have the honor to lead, you have taken a clear decision that you can continue to issue liquor licenses when we don't have the capacity of the people that are selling liquor to our children. Because it starts there. We have stopped the issuing of liquor license in our country. To build capacity first. You can't just dish, dish, dish. When you don't have capacity to monitor, when you don't have capacity to ensure that those that are having these licenses are adhering to regulations and the conditions of those licenses. So we've convened a meeting with all liquor institutions. We've convened a meeting with all organizations within the liquor industry. The good thing that they applauded us to say this is the stand that you need because it starts with alcohol. So that's what Panyaza Lasufi said earlier this week, and that sound is courtesy of ENCA. But there has been quite a bit of reaction to this from the Gauteng Liquor Traders Association, which says that it's taken notice of the utterances of the Premier, and um, they are not in support of this, saying uh, that the halting of issue, issuing liquor licenses, um, they're astonished by the assertion of the Premier. So what exactly is the position? Kaya Karai is the Gauteng Liquor Traders Association deputy spokesperson. Kaya, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your, t- your time. As far as the Gauteng Liquor Traders Association is concerned, has there been a decision to stop issuing liquor licenses in Gauteng? No, uh, not that we know of. There has not been any decision, nor has there been any talks or bilateral engagements with regard to that fact. So what was your reaction as the Gauteng Liquor Traders Association when uh, you saw uh, what Panyaza and you heard what Panyaza Lasufi had to say? Um, as the statement that you have read says that we were very astonished because um, we we didn't expect anything of that nature to, to be actually publicized before any bilateral engagements because, as you would know, we represent over 35,000 liquor traders. So um, such decisions must be taken um, after good deliberations with other with other organs of state and, and making sure that we represent our our constituencies as well. So we wouldn't take such a decision without our constituencies knowing what is happening. So we were as shocked, but what was even more shocking is the fact that um, we were, in lack of a better word, put in the same light as, 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 as drugs, meaning that um, we were the gateway drug. We just felt uh, that one, we can never make any link with regards to that because Liquor is an industry that's regulated. We are trading with uh, the Liquor Act of 2003. We are tax and law-abiding citizens. And the assertions of us being a gateway drug 
we feel was very unfair for us. And it really hurt a lot of us in the industry. That is why we started getting phone calls yesterday to say, I mean, what is the response? Well, what, mm. what is the premier referring to when he says that he's, he's had bilateral engagements with, with people in the industry? And we knew very well that there were no uh, engagements with us. That is why we had to uh, take out the statement to say that uh, we distance ourselves from from the sessions of the premier. What are the implications of this? What happens if the um, the, the the liquor board st- or the liquor trade? Li- sorry, what happens if the liquor board stops issuing licenses? What are the implications of that? The implications of that obviously have got to do with growth. There will not be any growth in the industry. There won't be um, any job creation because, as I've stated, there are already thirty five thousand licenses that are issued around, but. When you look at in terms of employment, you can triple or triple the number because each um, each liquor trader employs no less than two people. So if licenses have got to be halted or stopped from being issued out, even when people are eligible to receive those licenses, can you imagine what would do? What would that do to the economy? So that is the number one issue that we are very concerned about. Secondly it will be speaking against the Township Economic Development Act because the Township Development Act speaks very loudly with regards to licensing of all businesses in the township because townships are supposed to be growing as we're going along because a lot of people in townships are now reverting or resorting to uh, self-employment because there's no more jobs that they can go to. So if licenses have got to be halted by by liquor board, the the, the TIDA Act, the, the TIDA will not be uh, working for 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 for, for right. the township. And what would also uh, uh, liquor board will have to explain to us is the promotion of administrative justice act, which says that within ninety days, all organs of state must have completed with uh, must have completed with any application. Meaning, if you put in your application in ninety days, you must have received it. So we must properly get or we must be properly engaged by liquor board or by any organ of state if they want to uh, go against the Pajor right. Act, if they want to go against the TIDA Act, we must be formally and and, and the bilateral engagement just, just have got to be going so that we understand what it is what it is that they are saying, unlike okay. just hearing yeah, through the grapevine. Kaya, thank you very much. Kaya Cries, the Gauteng Liquor Traders Association Deputy Spokesperson. We were hoping to speak to the MEC for Economic Development, Tasneem Motara, to get clarity on this because it does seem incredibly confusing now for the liquor industry uh, following these comments made by the Premier. Unfortunately, we can't get hold of her. Uh, we'll keep trying. But uh, the implications of this are, of course, significant um, and uh, it just seems confusing at this point. What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702. Hi, Mandy. I'm not entirely sure if halting the sale of liquor licenses is necessarily a bad thing. I'm in the Western Cape, and I think I drove through Lanesburg many years ago, and Lanesburg's a tiny, tiny little town, and they had something like 11 liquor stores. I mean, that's ridiculous. Um, For anybody that's trying to fight alcoholism, it's virtually impossible. Um, I know this is a harsh take, really harsh take, but, you know, liquor is a drug and people who sell it they're not drug dealers and people go oh but the alcohol industry employs lots of people drug dealers employ people too
Thank you very much uh, for that view. Look, I think it is uh, an argument that can be had on both sides. The Premier saying that they want to halt liquor licenses. He says that um, uh, alcohol, the sale of alcohol is a gateway to drugs and illicit goods. The Liquor Traders Association saying that they hold a different view. And they're saying that they will endeavour to engage the Premier and the Gauteng government. They're saying the sale of liquor is a, a legal and lawful trade under the uh, the current uh, law in this country. Uh, so there's two sides to this. I, I imagine that there are knock-on effects economically, of course, but then there are also social knock-on effects as well. So thank you for, for your response. 12.30, time for Eyewitness News Headlines. WhatsApp Mandy on 072-702-1702. I'm not sure, Mandy, why the township economy is only based on alcohol. When you go to township, it is just too bad. Every corner there is a tavern, there is a tavern all over. It's noisy. At some stage, it needs to be controlled. Good morning, team. Uh, What can I say about the cricket? If only we bet according to our strengths. Can someone please tell Timber Bavuma and the selectors he is not an opening batsman? And then also, can we please let the players play who are, you know, who are really committed to wanting to play, really? I mean, it's, it's a joke now. I actually wish that we don't even pro- progress further than the semifinals, which we are already doing so dismal in. Okay, so the choker tag works for us, like, wholeheartedly. Uh, because it will be a sheer embarrassment if we ever get through or whatever to face India. So, so sad. If only we could choose better and proper players. Thanks. Bye. Good afternoon, Mandy. Please, please, Mandy, don't update us if the play resumes. Unless, unless if it keeps on raining. Yeah, you can update us about that. We don't want to hear those bad news. So I'm just begging, don't update us. Thank you, Jabulani from Wadvidin Pinoni. Jabulani, it's 56 for four. <laughs> At least we haven't lost another wicket. Listen, um, the coach was saying uh, yesterday that Timber Bavuma is the best performing batsman in the Proteus squad this year on average. So if you look at the whole year uh, and the performance, Temba Bavuma is the best performing batsman, which is very interesting. I didn't realize that, right? Um, unfortunately, he did ad- admit today, he said, I'm not 100% fit. So should we have played him? It's different in cricket to rugby. Of course, um, the uh, the captain in cricket makes a, a huge amount of decisions when it comes to field placements and strategy. Uh, the, the Springboks have this policy that if you can't train on a Monday, you're not eligible for the squad on a Saturday. And we saw that happening uh, in the final um, of, of the World Cup where um, a player wasn't able to to play in the final because he wasn't fit on the Monday. So there are questions there as well. Uh, on the WhatsApp line, hi, Mandy, if they stop licenses, there will be more illegal uh, sale of liquor, um, just like illegal shabins, regards Kishori from Actonville. And we saw this during the, the, the COVID lockdown, right? We saw that when we banned uh, alcohol and cigarette sales, that there was a flourishing illicit market. So would that not just happen in Gauteng? if they stopped issuing liquor licenses. 702, the Midday Report, Monday to Friday, 12 to 1 p.m. The Gauteng Education MEC, Matume Chilwane, today visiting the Kekhle Kile Primary School in Tokoza 
to present the findings of an investigative report around uh, the circumstances surrounding the death of Sibosiso Mbata. So releasing those findings today. And um, the story does contain quite graphic details. So if you are concerned, if you are sensitive, just be aware of that. Uh, Sibosiso Mbata, a 12-year-old, he was in grade 6 at Kehlekile Primary School. He died by suicide a few weeks ago and his mother has spoken out about this. Um, this was after a teacher allegedly told him he had gay tendencies and to leave them outside the school gate. So there was an investigation into this. Steve Mabona is the Gauteng Education Spokesperson and he joins us now. Steve, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. The MEC releasing a report. Um, have you now made public those findings? Yes, uh, good afternoon, uh, Mendy and to all our listeners. Uh, indeed, MEC has already released the report to the public but we started in the morning uh, to the, with the family, you know, took them through the report, make them understand on uh, what it is about. Uh, we interacted with the affected educators at the school, you know, presented the report to them just to also understand on uh, what it entails. Uh, we interacted with the SGB and uh, we then released the, 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 the report to the public. And uh, have there been recommendations made around uh, any action to be taken against the teacher, the, the, the headmaster, anyone like that? Yes, indeed. The recommendation is that the principal uh, must, to a certain extent, be taken to disciplinary process for non-adherence with uh, our policies on how the matter was handled from when it, it became aware of it, how was it reported, how was the family engaged, how was the affected uh, people, you know, how was the matter reported in the school records and all that. So you will then have to face that. The deputy principal for allegedly, you know, those uh, homophobic, uh, blasphemy utterances to the uh, learner, which might have led to the incident, uh, you know, must be taken for disciplinary process, necessary charges. Uh, you know, recommended that must be suspended from the school, which is something that has already happened because he's now reporting at the district office. The class teacher, when this uh, altercation between the two learners started and how they were taken to the staff room on how this matter was then handled moving forward, there was lack of policy implementation and uh, on how the, the matter was handled. The HOD who managed the process as well, uh, you know, managed the learners up until they then left for home. Uh, all, uh, you know, those educators then need to be taken through a disciplinary process, which will then unfold, and uh, they will hear on how the, it, will, it will be managed. Steve, thank you very much. Uh, Steve Mabona, the Gauteng Education Spokesperson, giving us an update there uh, on uh, this report that has now been made public uh, regarding Sibusiso Mbata. Mandy is on Twitter. At Mandy Wiener. Well, let's get a quick update now on the Senzo Miwa trial still underway. Homoto Modise, EWN reporter there for us. Homoto, good afternoon to you. What's happening in court today? Good afternoon, Mandy. So, Sergeant Gutsmuzi Mohane back on the witness stand. I think it's been, what, over two weeks now of him uh, testifying. And his testimony has really been elongated by the introduction of vehicle tracking evidence that the court has been dealing with for most of this week. We've been uh, seeing Sergeant Mohane really go through um, that uh, data 
and giving accounts at specific points that are pointed out either by the state or the defense about why he stopped at certain points, why he had uh, you know, extended stops sometimes. Yesterday we heard from courts actually that he had been circling the Alberton and Germiston area for at least about four to five hours. And he was questioned and asked about that. And he said he was experiencing uh, car problems. And that's why he was moving from the local garage um, to another spot in Germiston and back and forth. Of course, the defense is not buying that there, insisting this is when he was assaulting uh, or you know, witnessing the assault and torture of Long Island Dandy. Today, however, he has been testifying um, uh, on the remnants, really, of the evidence that, uh, that, the, that the state um, gave to the defense yesterday. You will remember that it's been a couple, it was a couple of days, uh, or the, the escort of Bongali Dance happened over a couple of days. And so all of that data has been brought before the court. Uh, uh, just moments ago, we saw uh, the state advocate, George Baloy, asking that Mohana's testimony stand down for a bit, Mandy, as we hear from an expert on this ABL system. And so currently, we've got a Mike Dupree from a company called C-Track that is testifying about this ADL um, uh, system, which is the car tracking system that the South African Police Service uses in most of their vehicles. Gomoto, thank you very much. Gomoto Modise, EWN reporter, giving us an update there on the Senzo Miwa trial. What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702. Hi, Mandy. You know, ANC is just reprobating and appropriating, blowing hot and cold. What is the difference between what Israel is doing and what Russia is doing? At best, Israel can say that they are attacking because they were attacked first. With Russia, it was just an unprovoked attack. So for them to be referring Israel to ICC is just, it's just shameful, Edwin here. Good day, 702 Land. As always, you know, these officials would always attack the local people instead of attacking these foreigners who are selling you know rotten food to our children you know in our townships you know she beans you know they have been operating even before these guys came you know to south africa you know so as always you know local people will always be pinned down by these anc officials who are confused as we don't know what they are doing thank you Thank you very much uh, for those WhatsApp voice notes, uh, varying views on things that we have been discussing today. The SA government referring Israel to the International Criminal Court to be investigated for war crimes. A response there uh, on various uh, WhatsApps. Uh, lots of commentary on the cricket as well at the moment. A question from Tato saying, hi Mandy, if it carries on raining and they can no longer play, do we go through to the finals? So it stopped raining, so we are playing again at 69 for four. And if anyone is going to save us, it would be Klaassen and Miller. I think it very much is possible. Uh, Miller was being treated by the physio for a hand injury, so that worries me. The run rate worries me as well, but the answer is correct. If it does rain, tomorrow is a reserve day, uh, so we could finish tomorrow, but if it gets rained out completely, then we go through to the finals, but I don't know at this point. 702 702. Mandy Weiner. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m.
The South African Weather Service has been holding a media briefing on recent severe weather events and the impact of the El Nino event as well, uh, giving us uh, some analysis on uh, what's been happening with uh, the, the weather generally. Tsepo Ngubeni is a senior manager for disaster, disaster risk reduction at the Weather Service. Tsepo, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, what have you been saying about what has been going on with the weather? Uh, good afternoon, listeners. Um, yeah, uh, South African Weather Service, we we were giving the press uh, briefing here in Pretoria for the club uh, members, for the um, press uh, national press club. We're basically uh, giving the um, the lessons and also educating the public in terms of uh, severe thunderstorms and also giving a bit of the outlook um, of how the week looks like and also touching a bit on the seasonal forecasting because we are expecting what we call El Nino, uh, which is a a phenomenon that uh, usually results in below uh, normal rainfall for the next coming uh, season. And I think if our predictions are right, um, it will last up to uh, autumn of 2024. Okay, so what can we expect then going forward? Um, the South African Weather Service, as you know, where they've issued um, um, yesterday afternoon, they've issued a yellow level 2 warning for severe thunderstorms uh, for the parts of Northern Cape, extreme southwestern parts of Northwest, and extreme Northwest of the Free State, as well as Southern KwaZulu-Natal. Uh, and this warning will remain until uh, tonight. Uh, we've also issued a yellow level one warning for severe thunderstorms uh, with damaging winds and hail, which are expected over Northern and Eastern parts of right. Eastern Cape. And on Friday and Saturday, we also expect showers and thunder showers over central interior, extending to the southeastern part of the country. Tsepo, thank you so much. Uh, Tsepo Ngobeni, Senior Manager for Disaster Risk Reduction at the SA Weather Service. They're having a briefing today about the El Nino events and severe weather events. 702 and Cape Talk. Book of the Week. Every Thursday on the Midday Report, we speak to the author of a local nonfiction book. And the book this week is called Global Africa, Profiles in Courage, Creativity and Cruelty. It's from the Center for Advancement of Scholarship Senior Researcher Fellow, Professor Adekia Adebajo. Uh, and this book is it's 100 essays. It's written over the last three post-apartheid decades. It gives profiles of pan-African figures, mostly from Africa and from its diaspora in the Americas. Europe and the Caribbean. So, uh, a pleasure to welcome to the show today, Professor Adekeya Adebajo. Prof, good afternoon to you and congratulations on this important book. Thank you very much. So, I'm not sure I've done an excellent job at explaining um, truly what this book is about. So, so what was your intention when you looked at these various essays uh, that profiles these individuals? Thank you. So what I did was I basically divided them up into eight main sections. So I look at historical figures, political figures, technocrats, activists, writers, public intellectual, musical and film artists, and sporting figures. And I guess the overarching theme that holds it together is this idea of global Africa 
as both geography and movement. In terms of geography, as you noted earlier, it's dealing with Africa and its diasporas in North America, South America, Europe, and also the Caribbean, of course. And in terms of movement, it looks at the civil society activists in the diaspora who since the 18th century and then through five Pan-African conferences between 1919 and 1945 basically pushed for the liberation of Africa. So the book is in a way looking at the efforts over five centuries, if you like, to unite Africa politically, culturally, and economically. And in what ways do these life stories, these profiles of these individuals, um, serve as a, a powerful antidote to persisting stereotypes in the Western imagination? Well, you have uh, figures whom maybe not everybody is familiar with who have fought uh, very actively for Africa's independence. So they're very well-known figures like Albert Lutuli and Nelson Mandela, who were Nobel Peace Laureates. But you also have technocrats, uh, people like Boutros Boutros Ghali and Kofi Annan, who were the two African UN Secretaries General. Martin Luther King, of course, is very well-known for his civil rights activism, along with John Lewis. And maybe there are figures that are less well-known, like Wangari Matai, who won the Nobel Peace Prize in 2004 for her environmental activism, and Dennis Mukegwe, who is the Congolese doctor who has been treating sexual violence in the Eastern Congo. So it's really looking at the broad gamut of Africa's heroes and heroines, if you like. And I also look at writers like Toni Morrison, and bell hooks and sports figures with whom people may be more familiar like Muhammad Ali and Pele and more recent uh, sports figures. But it's not just about looking at the good. I also look at autocrats like Mobutu Sasaseko and Idi Amin and Daniel Arab Moy as uh, tyrants as well. So it tries to provide a kind of understanding and broad diversity of the splendid tapestry of African life and that of its diaspora. Uh, you, you answered the question I was about to ask you about uh, some of the negatives as well, that there are they're recurring patterns, but they're also contrasting narratives, as you say, portrayed through political leaders like Robert Mugabe, um, but also like uh, like our, our former president, Jacob Zuma, Barack Obama, Margaret Thatcher. Um, so there yes. are contrasting narratives as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's very important in a book like this, which is why I subtitled it, Profiles encourage creativity and cruelty because you have a lot of amazing heroes and creative artists, but they're also tyrants and other uh, evil figures, if you like, like Cecil Rhodes, who was the greatest symbol of imperialism in the 19th century. And it's important to represent all of them as part of the broader history of Africa and its diaspora. 
Professor, thank you so much. Uh, this really is a fascinating book, and I appreciate you taking the time to speak to us. That's Professor Adekia Adebajo. The book is called Global Africa Profiles Encourage Creativity and Cruelty. It spans across continents. It looks at, uh, it intricately weaves the narratives of pan African luminaries, as he explained. It's called Global Africa Profiles Encourage Creativity and Cruelty.